Afroverdict, brought to you by Sputnik Africa. Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to our pilot episode. I'm your host, Victor Anakin, and I'll be presenting you with two brief podcasts a week, 30 minutes each, to bring you Africa's verdict on global issues around the world and on the continent through the voices of African experts, youth, and prominent figures. For our pilot, we have a very special guest, Mabusha Masekela, nephew of South Africa's jazz legend Hugh Masekela, who's also the son of the former president of Zambia, Rupia Banda. We'll talk to Mabusha about Hugh as an example of a person who, despite the long time spent in the United States, always emphasized where he was from and highlighted his cultural heritage. We'll also recall with our guest the influence his uncle had on him, as well as on the South African music industry. We'll discuss how the country's struggle against apartheid was reflected in Hugh's work and also touch on the issue of African youth and the westernization of the continent. This is Afro Verdict on Sputnik Africa, and let's get right to it. Mabusha, hi, welcome to Afro Verdict. So could you please start off by briefly telling us about yourself, who you are and what you do? Sure. Um, who am I? <laughs> Great existential question. Um, my mother is Barbara Masekela and my father is Rupia Banda. Uh, my mother worked for many long years uh, as a professor and later in the ANC working in government and uh, was also the ambassador to uh, France and the United States. My father is the former president of Zambia, Rupia Banda, uh, who recently passed away. Well, recently, about a year ago or so. And uh, my uncle is Hugh Masekela, who I spent many years living with and growing up at various times in my life. And uh, I'm very much a product of uh, those people and those experiences. Heated and hectic. And so my uncle figured, you know, he didn't want his nephew to be under those circumstances. So he came and he came to New York and picked me up. And, uh, you know, we got on the plane and uh, we we're sitting in uh, first class because, like I said, he was doing pretty good around that time. And uh, three-year-old Mabusha decides to stand up on the airport, uh, on the airplane seat. And I raised my hand in a fist and I yelled to the pole plane, Black Power! <laughs> which was a kind of hectic thing to be doing in 1968. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so, uh, you know, later on, Huey uh, called uh, Stokely and was like, you know, what are you teaching my nephew? What do you, you know? And, you know, he related the story. And uh, my, uh, my uncle Stokely says, uh, you see, if more black people were like that, we'd be more advanced by now. And were you inspired in any way by Hugh? I'm inspired by Hugh by my aunt Miriam, by my mom, by my uncle Stuart Levine. These are all, in my mind, these are people who achieved, you know, great things. My uncle Quincy Troop. I mean, the, the thing about growing up around my uncle and growing up around my mother is that we were, we were, we were very much part of a very, um, I don't know if enlightened is the word I want to use, but a very enlightened group of people who were very much about, you know, the quality of life for uh, people of African descent the world over. And uh, it was never, I was never raised 
in a kind of uh, to separate myself to be in you know in 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 in, in, in an enclave mm-hmm. but rather that africans just as much as anybody else are part of the world yeah and anywhere we step we have a right to step there because the planet earth belongs to us all and uh i would say that those are the kind of things that influenced me and like you know i just always i always loved listening to Huey play i always loved mm. his music and you know i mean when i say i always loved his music i love the beatles i've got a whole shelf dedicated to beatles books right in my library but in my mind like the beatles Hugh Masekela Crosby Stills and Nash we're all hanging out in the same room Miles Davis like you know uh i suppose one of the one of the major influences that i would say that Huey had on me was my musical eclecticism my musical mm-hmm. taste my love of music you know i always admired the fact that my uncle put out all these very african oriented records mm-hmm. but he put them out in the middle of the united states of america which is you know as vanilla as you can get and yeah. certainly you know in the united states the united states listens to the united states Hey everybody, for those of you that have just tuned in, I'm your host Victor and you're listening to Afro Verdict brought to you by Sputnik Africa. Today, we're having a conversation with Mabusha Masekela, nephew of South Africa's jazz legend Hugh Masekela, who's also the son of the former president of Zambia, Rupia Banda. He walks us through the life of his legendary uncle and explains the legacy his uncle left for South Africa. It's always something that I always, you know, really admired about Hugh and really loved about him, you know, and you know, for a time when I was his road manager, uh and every night he used to go up on stage and every night I had a blast listening to him on stage, like every night. It was fantastic and yeah, I just loved being love his musicality, you know. You know yeah. his musicality and just being around that kind of spontaneity and energy. Yeah, I really did admire that about him. Yeah, yeah, and I I mean I can imagine cuz I guess they do have like a unique vibe and energy around them, hey? And just as like, you know, Huey was a, he was this is one South African musician in the United States, but especially in those California years, he was able to pull around him a group of musicians who were able to put across this music you know um grazing in the grass was the number one record in 1968 yeah i love it and in the wake of that success huey doesn't go out and you know do like grazing in the grass part 2 he's got these two records that very few people probably even know about one was called africa 68 i haven't heard about it hey Yes, and the other one was uh under the nomenclature of the Johannesburg Street Band. It was called Dancing Through the Streets. So, what's remarkable about both of these records is that they are very much in the South African musical idiom. Mm. Now, Africa 68 was a collection of like traditional songs and wedding songs, and it was very much done by the South African exile community that was in the United States at the time. The Johannesburg Street Band album 
which again, as I was saying, was very much in the South African musical idiom. But Huey was the only South African in the room. And everybody else, you know, was a collection of like, you know, very early on, they, they be, you know, he became close. He and Stuart became close with uh, the Crusaders. So Joe Sample, Styx Hooper, Wilton Felder, a lot of those cats are on a lot of Huey's records. And on this Johannesburg Street uh, uh, band, on this Dancing Through the Streets album, it's like a bunch of those guys and a couple of uh, cats in California, California session musicians. But when you listen to that record, it sounds like somebody produced it in Johannesburg. And so that ability to translate the music to other people to the extent that they're able to actually grasp what he's getting at. Mm. Like, yeah, that's that's, you know, that's always been for me quite an amazing the number of musicians who went through Huey's band and how he taught them how to play, you know, this South African music, Matanga and, you know, some South African jazz. And yeah, that ability to be a total musician is something that I really, really admire. You know, I have lately I, I say to people Hugh Masekela is not a genre. Hugh Masekela is a musician, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what I love about Huey. I mean, there's uh, there's a lot of talk these days about him being the father of South African jazz. But Huey himself would tell you that that's not his, you know, that's not his uh, purview. Like, you know, Todd Machikiza, Kipi Mukizi, those people are, you know, the people who would be considered the, the the fathers of South African jazz. But what, what Huey was, was he was a pure musician. Mm. He gathered his musician skills around a jazz, a kind of a jazz idiom. You know, he learned jazz. You know, if you're going to be a jazz musician, like Huey always used to say to me, he used to say, yeah, the reason, you know, in, in, in the States, you know, I got with jazz musicians because they were the only cats who could play this music. You know, in jazz, you have to know the song and you have to know the standard and you have to know it in every key. And you've got to be able to, you've got to know the right tempo, you know, the right chords. What's your solo? Are you really saying something in your solo? Are you just blowing notes, you know? And uh, does your personality come through in your playing? Are you just, you know, an automatron or something like this? So, yeah, he had that that he had such a, a deep musicality about him. I remember, you know, like, you know, jazz musicians all hate country music. Right. The, uh, the famous story about uh, what's his name? The drummer, Buddy. I forget his sir, Buddy Rich. And he's mm-hmm. on the he's on the he's on the 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 the, the you know, he's they're taking him into the hospital and they're, you know, the doctors are trying to find out about something. Are you allergic to anything? Only country and Western music. So, you know, country country music doesn't have a lot of love amongst jazz musicians. But Huey knew, you know, like he knew those cats. And, you know, I would I as a result of that kind of openness, I found myself liking country music without even realizing that I liked country music. And then when I realized that I did actually, in fact, like this music, there's a whole other realm of music mm. that then becomes available to you, you know? So, yeah, that thing about always being open, you know, Huey, he lived in, he, he, he had, the, you know, he, he lived in, he, he, he went to New York, he lived in California. 
he lived in Guinea. He lived in Liberia. I mean, at times it's like he was living in three countries at the same time. But his ability to always be open to people and to culture and to ways is, I think, probably his most, for me anyway, his most endearing uh, a character. You know, that, 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 is, that is something that I, I, I wish more of the world had. But his ability to always be open to people and to culture and to ways is, I think, probably his most, for me anyway, his most endearing uh, character. You know, that, 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 is, that is something that I, I, I wish more of the world had. Yeah, yeah. No, I, and I mean, I can totally relate to that as well. Because I guess in a kind of way, he, he, he brought people together and told them that there is, you know, there's something good in the things that people might generally don't like due to stereotypes. Yeah. So, and what influence would you say your uncle's work has had on contemporary jazz performers in South Africa? His influence is mostly about being yourself you know, reaching into you and pulling out what is yours and being proud of your traditional roots, whatever those traditional roots may be. Um, and I think that his influence, uh, again, as I say, I think his influence cuts across not just jazz, but across all genres. I think his lasting influence is not necessarily musical, but I think is in terms of your 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 outlook mm. and your approach, you know, the, I think that's probably his most lingering and lasting influence. That's quite deep. And how relevant and important are the ideas and values that your uncle Huey fought for in the modern world today as we know it? I think they're essential. I think they're they're that 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 you know, those values of loving your culture and appreciating culture as a whole, I think th those, I mean, you know, not to get too heavy, but I think that's why a lot of the English-speaking former British Empire kind of spaces in the world, I think that's why people are, like, losing their stuff. I really do, because they don't know they don't know who they are. They don't know why they're doing what they're doing or why they're in the place that they are. And, you know, there's there's something to like, you know, like in South Africa, one of our staple dishes is a dish called pop. You yeah. know, it's like it's like rice. Yeah, millipop. Exactly. Now, I grew up eating pop with my hands. Yes. Yeah, that's man. what I know. You always eat pop with your hands. There's yeah. no knife and fork or spoon or anything like that in the same way that you always eat sushi with chopsticks mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying that there are certain cultural things that are part of that culture and there's an inner strength that one gets that contributes to your value system you know to what's right what's fair what's good what am i going to do in this situation how did i get into this situation so I think that they're very, very, very relevant. And those kind of values are the values that I think we very much are in need of in the world today. Yeah, totally. I think that's really underrated today. And tell me, 
Was there any way that his music, you know, sort of reflected the turmoil that was taking place back in South Africa at that time? I think always. Grazing in the Grass is a direct South African township song. You know, Soweto Blues was on uh, You Told Your Mama Not to Worry. Miriam Makeba usually actually became the owner of that song, <laughs> even though Huey wrote it. Um, and, you know, Soweto Blues is directly about those that, you know, the 76 riots that happened in the uh, 76 uprisings, I suppose I should say, that happened in South Africa at the time. Um yeah, I mean, he always had that. That was always a part of it. I mean, a song like Stimela, if you can understand the words, which is like, you know, we've, they've taken our, we, we miss our family, we miss our, 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 our women, our ladies, our children. They've taken our, our, our cattle, they've taken our land. You know, those are very, you know, those are very heartfelt things. Yeah. And I think that in a lot of his expression, I think that Huey, Huey, didn't always let that out, if you know what I'm saying. That that kind of vulnerability, that hurt. Mm-hmm. I think that he never he never uh, he never approached it that way because I think that he saw that I don't know that approaching it that way simply draws you more into that way of doing things, mm-hmm. and they are not happy people, and they're not doing happy making things, and so rather. Let's go this way. Let's have the historical facts. Let's have the information. But let's not hurt ourselves any more than we've already been hurt. Yeah. And are being hurt. And I think that's kind of like was his approach. Yeah. But he Uh, did uh, always have a South African element in everything that he did. I may be alone in this assessment. And so I am sure that there are many people who have a critique of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. But my experience, my experience of the United States has always been that because I know more about, I know about myself, I know about my family. And also I was raised in a more African-American context. I was raised with people, you know, when I was a kid, I, I, I read books by, there's a great uh, African-American illustrator named Tom Feelings. You know, another great uh, 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 African-American writer named Tony Cade Bambara. Mm-hmm. Those, the, you know, I, I read some of those, you know, they had children's books that they wrote. You know, so I was I was part of that. There, you know, there's also a very fantastic book that I wish I could find called The Black Book, which is basically a collection of historical African-American things that happened but, you know, kind of pre in the 1800s kind of thing. Um, it's a great, great book. Um, but people in the United States, including people of European descent, treat you differently if you are an African. Mm. Like, I don't think that they can even explain it themselves. But what I do know is that I was in many instances where I was, you know, the only black kid in the school, you know, I mean, I went to school in Athens, Ohio for a while, yeah. in elementary school, you know, not, uh, yeah, or the only black kid in my class or one of two. But I suppose part of it is also just knowing Huey and my mother and the people who I grew up around. I never had any doubts and I never, 
I never thought of myself the way perhaps other people might have thought of me in a, you know, in that kind of lesser than. And I never approached any situation like that might be the outcome. There may have been situations where that was the outcome, but I never responded to them in that way, you know? Um, and I think that that kind of approach of like being a human being, mm. I think is is what stood Huey in good stead in many of his experiences in the United States and even his career in the United States, you know, and the fact that at some point in his career in the United States, he would choose to just say, okay, bye, I'm going to Africa now. Mm. You know, I think very much is indicative of a kind of self-knowledge and self-belief that I, I don't think you come by very easily. You know, I mean, I was talking about Stimela, you know, Stimela is on an album called I Am Not Afraid. Yeah. And, you know, and, you know, and Huey's, you know, standing under an elephant's foot on his head. You know, that's I very, think very, sorry. I'm saying a very deep message. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, you know, again, a very deep message and very, you know, potentially militant. But, you know, this guy's also standing underneath an elephant's foot smiling at you, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, I think that that there is something to the approach of refusing to refusing to let people put you in a box that they choose. You know, I mean, one of the things that one of the I, I, I've always been a, a, an admirer of Jack Johnson, you know, who was a one was the first first. African-American heavyweight in the United States. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, Miles Davis even did a whole album called Jack Johnson. And, you know, at the time, he was doing things that nobody else was doing. And I remember reading a thing where he just, you know, he said, like, like you know, that's my, that's always my approach. That's been my approach. And therefore, people treated me that way. You know, because I mean, yeah, he was doing very unique things at the at his at his the time that he was doing them, and certainly he was probably the only person of African American descent doing those things, yeah, heavyweight or not. Welcome to Afro Verdict on Sputnik Africa. I'm your host Victor, and today we're talking to Mabusha Masekela nephew of the South African jazz legend Hugh Masekela, who was one of the most influential musicians in Africa. Mabusha takes us through his uncle's life and explains his uncle's legacy in preserving African authenticity and cultural heritage. All right, so let's talk about his foundation. As we know, there's a foundation in South Africa that is dedicated to the preservation and dissemination of African heritage and culture, which is named after your uncle. Yes. Uh, why was that decision made to name it after Hugh Masekela? And while we're on the topic, tell us a little bit about the foundation's activities. What are you guys engaged in? What do you do? What is your vision for the future? So... Heritage has always been a big part of Huey. He became very concerned about the fact that there were, you know, there are South African homes in the townships where people don't want their children to be, want their children to only speak English. Yeah. You know, 
and the kind of, you know, westernization, I suppose one could call it, of uh, 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 traditional South African cultures and so forth. So I think that in that concern, the point of the foundation is to, as you said, to promote African heritage and to encourage the continuance of those things and not to be erased mm-hmm. by Western cultures and Western ways. A couple of months ago, I was on the internet as I am on a little too much. And, you know, they were running these, uh, Coca-Cola had these commercials and it was uh, a South African, African of African descent, uh, South African and young boy. And he's trying to charm this girl. So there's a shot of a, a hallway that has lockers. Yeah. Now, I haven't been to all the schools in South Africa, but the schools that I've been to in South Africa do not have lockers in the hallway. They don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a South African thing. Yeah. He opens the locker and all these rose petals fall out of the locker. You know, he's trying to charm her. I don't know any South African boy <laughs> of any descent who's giving girl roses or rose petals. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the soundtrack of the commercial is like a Motown sounding song. All I'm saying is that for me, none of the signifiers match mm-hmm. what I've experienced and what I know to be South African, even South African Model C uh, culture. It yeah. just doesn't match. And I think those are the things that very much I think in a way Huey saw coming mm. and that's really what the foundation is about is, is reinforcing African culture and remembering African culture and where we come from and how we put our societies together. And the fact that like, you know, you know, whatever uh, the colonizers or colonials want to say, like Africans weren't swinging from tree to tree. Yeah. You know, Nobody was boiling anybody in pots to eat later. Mm. They, these were, you know, advanced cultures. There was medicine. There was an understanding of the natural environment and how that how you are part of that natural environment and how that natural environment can speak to you mm. so that you understand what's happening in that environment, you know. Um so that's very much what you know we at the foundation are promoting is to be able to uh, for example one of the uh, programs that we've been a part of is something called Buya My Africa and it's a young man who works you know in the more rural areas and so forth and he gets the young children to come and speak to the older people and the older people tell stories, you know, yeah. whether those are folk tales or so forth. Mm-hmm. And the children learn those stories. And then they either put on a play or some kind of okay. act that, you know, tells that story. And the elders are invited to come to see that performance. So it's also part of that uh, intergenerational communication that Huey always felt was so important and was always a part of. So, yeah, it's, 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 those are the kinds of things that uh, 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 we certainly would like to do more of and are a part of. Um, and, you know, since his passing, because, like, I mean, Huey 
is a tremendous furnace of energy, mm. <laughs> you know? So without him here with us now, it's a little, it's a bit more challenging because the scope of what he intended is quite wide. Okay, here we go. African history and languages, genealogy, intergenerational communication, artisanship, manufacture and retail, music, dance, theater, literature, visual and culinary arts, and media. Wow. That's a big agenda. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big agenda. Yeah, and I think that would be wonderful, actually, because especially right now, well, at least in South Africa, I think that's what a lot of people actually need and across all cultures, because as Zulu, Debele, the Klasa, Afrikaans, the, uh, the whole lot of them, I think they're missing out on their heritage and their culture is, you know, sort of getting washed away by, like you said, westernization. And what do you think Hugh Masekela would wish to the modern youth in general and to young Africans across the continent. Remember where you come from. Remember your grandmother. Remember your grandfather. Remember, you know, the the stories that you that 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 the that the, the elders tell that are not written down. Go out, seek that information. Look for it. Know what it is. Why is it part of that culture? Like know those things. Because it's knowing those things that's going to anchor your being and your soul. There is value in where you come from and where your people come from and what your people have done that is not being taught to you in schools and that is important for your daily life, for your daily life. Well, that was your host, Victor, here on Afro Verdict, brought to you by Sputnik Africa, with our guest, Mabusha Masekela, South African jazz legend's nephew, with quite the message on preserving our cultural heritage and always keeping in mind that your traditions are valuable. It was my greatest pleasure talking to everyone, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I have. Stay tuned and up to date on Afro Verdict, Sputnik Africa. Till next time. Afro Verdict, brought to you by Sputnik Africa.